Chapter three of On Sensation and the Sensible in Parva Naturalia by Aristotle translated by William Alexander Hammond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter three. In the treatise On the Soul i have given a general account of the objects of sense in their application to the several sense organs such as colour sound smell flavour and the tangible i have explained their function and their activity organ by organ but we must also determine what each of these things is apart from the organ e g we must ask what is colour what is sound what is smell what is flavour we must likewise inquire regarding the tactual and we must begin with colour everything has a twofold significance viz that of actuality and potentiality it has been explained in the treatise on the soul in what way actual colour and actual sound coincide with and differ from the actual sensations of seeing and hearing we must now explain what each of these sensible objects must be in order to produce sensation and its activity we have already said in the above-named treatise regarding light that it is the colour of a diaphanous medium accidentally produced for when anything fire-like is found in the diaphanous its presence constitutes light and its absence signifies darkness what we understand by diaphanous is not a property peculiar to air or water or to any other so-called body but it is a certain natural constitution and power common to both these bodies and found also in certain others in greater or less degree but which has no independent and separate existence and furthermore as there must be a limiting surface in bodies so here also light is found in an indeterminate diaphanous it is also evident that the diaphanous in bodies must have a surface and that this surface is colour is plain from observed facts for colour is found either in the boundary or it is itself the boundary it is for this reason that the pythagoreans characterized the visible superficies as colour colour indeed is given in the boundary properties of body although it does not itself constitute that boundary on the contrary one must suppose that the same colour quality which is observed on the exterior applies also to the interior both air and water are seen to be coloured for even their shimmer is colour in these cases however air and the sea because of their unfixed character do not have the same colour when viewed near at hand and from a distance in solid bodies on the other hand the appearance of the colour is fixed unless the surrounding medium makes it shift it is evident therefore that the principle which is sensitive to colour is in both the former and the latter instances the same the diaphanous then in so far as it is found in bodies and it is found more or less in them all causes them to be saturated with colour inasmuch as colour is found in the boundary of bodies it would also be found in the boundary of the diaphanous substance consequently colour might be defined as the boundary of the diaphanous in a definite body 
colour attaches also to diaphanous bodies themselves such as water and other similar elements and it is also found in all such bodies as have a surface colour which is peculiar to the body itself there is then on the one hand the possibility that the positive principle which in the air produces light should also be contained in the diaphanous on the other hand it is possible that this should not be the case but that the condition then should be one of privation as in the case of air we have the two phenomena light and darkness so in bodies we have the two qualities white and black regarding the other colours we must now decide after analysis in how many ways they can be produced for black and white may be so juxtaposed that each of the two on account of its minuteness when taken alone will be invisible while the combination of the two will be visible the latter cannot be seen either as white or black but inasmuch as it must have some colour and it could be neither of these two it must be a mixed colour and different in kind from the others it is then a possible supposition that there are several colours besides white and black but their manifoldness is due to proportion this proportion can be expressed by the relation of three colon two or of three colon four or colours can be related to each other in terms of other numbers and some may not be expressible at all in terms of any proportion but in terms of some incommensurable plus and minus the same thing applies also to harmony of tones those colours which are expressed by harmonious numbers as is also true of tone harmonies appear to be the most pleasing such as sea purple crimson and a few others like them they are few for the same reason that harmonious tones are few the other colours are not numerically expressible or is it true that all colours are numerically expressible although some colours depend upon a regular order while others depend upon an irregular order and the latter have this character when they are not pure this is one explanation of the genesis of colours another explanation is that they shine through one another as we see sometimes in the works of artists when they superadd a colour on a background of a different colour e g when they wish to produce the effect of an object seen in the water or in the air so it is also with the sun which in its own nature appears white but red when seen through mist and smoke and many other colours will be produced in the same way as above described that is to say a certain proportion might be supposed to exist between the colours on the superficies and the colours in the depths and others again may not be expressible in terms of quotes, proportion at all it is therefore absurd to say with the ancients that colours are effluxes and for this reason are visible for in their opinion it is absolutely necessary that sensation be effected through contact and it is consequently better to say at once that the medium of sensation is set in motion by the sensible object and that in this way sensation is produced by contact and not by effluxes in the case of juxtaposed colours just as one must suppose an invisible magnitude so must one suppose an imperceptible moment of time in order to explain the fact that the movements issue imperceptibly 
and because they are simultaneously visible the impression is a single one there is however no such necessity here but the colour on the superficies when unmoved and when set in motion by its substrate produces unlike motions in the medium consequently it appears different and neither white nor black so that if an invisible magnitude is not possible but every magnitude must be visible from a certain distance so there must be here also a certain mixture of colours in this way one may suppose that in objects viewed from a distance a certain common colour is seen for that there is no invisible magnitude is a matter that must be investigated later if a mixture of bodies takes place then it is not merely in the way that some think viz by the juxtaposition of minimal parts which are imperceptible to our senses but also in the form of a general mixture of the entire substance together as explained in outline in our treatise on mixture by the former method of composition only those substances can be mixed which are capable of analysis into minimal parts e g men horses or seeds in the case of quotes, men a man is the minimal part in the case of quotes, horses a horse consequently in both instances the mass is formed by juxtaposition of these minimal parts we do not however speak of a man being mixed with a horse whatever cannot be analysed into minimal homogeneous parts is incapable of mixture in this sense but only in the sense of total mixture which is what naturally takes place in most cases in our treatise on mixture we have already explained how this can take place where bodies are mixed their colours must evidently be mixed also and this is the principal cause of the multiplicity of colours which is not explained by their being superposed or by their juxtaposition it is not true that what is mixed has one colour when viewed near by and another when viewed at a distance for it has one colour when viewed from all points and colours will be manifold because of the possibility of manifold proportions being employed in mixtures some of which will be based on numerical proportion others on that of disproportionate mass further the same thing may be said of mixed colours as was said of juxtaposed and superposed colours the explanation of the fact that we have fixed and definite varieties of colours flavours and sounds will be given later chapter four we have now explained the meaning of colour and the cause of its multiplicity we had already discussed the subject of sound and articulate speech in the treatise on the soul smell and flavour now remain to be discussed both these terms signify almost identical natural affections only each of them is found in a different organ the quality of flavours is more distinct to us than that of smells the reason is that our sense of smell is inferior to the same sense in other animals and is inferior to all our other senses while we of all animals have the most accurate sense of touch and taste is a sort of touch water in its own nature has no flavour and yet it is necessary that water should contain within itself the varieties of flavours which owing to their infinitesimal character are indiscernible as empedocles says or else there must be in water some such matter 
as is the universal germ origin of flavours and in this way all flavours are generated out of water different flavours from different parts or again supposing that water contains no qualitative differences we must then find some other efficient cause of flavour such as heat or the influence of the sun the error of the empedoclean theory is very easy to detect for we actually observe flavours undergoing change under the influence of heat e g when we expose fruits to the sun by removing their pericarps or by heating them before a fire they do not acquire this new flavour by drawing it out of the water but by undergoing a change in the removal of the pericarp itself when fruits are dried and stored they become in time instead of sweet pungent or bitter or change their flavour variously and when cooked they acquire so to speak all sorts of flavours so too the theory that water is a panspermic matter is impossible for we observe that out of one and the same thing as out of the same foodstuff different flavours are generated there remains the theory that water by undergoing some external influence changes it is plain that the phenomenon which we call flavour is not due to the potency of heat for water is the thinnest of all liquids subtler than oil itself oil however is more expansile than water because of its viscous character water being non-cohesive for this reason it is harder to hold water in one's hand than it is to hold oil now since water is the only liquid which when heated exhibits no denser consistency than before we must evidently look elsewhere for the cause of flavour for all flavours are more dense when heated heat is a contributing cause not the sole one apparently the flavours that are found in fruits have a prior existence in the earth in the same spirit many of the ancient physiologers say that water is like the soil through which it passes and this is particularly evident in the case of salt waters for salts are a form of soil also water that has been filtered through bitter ashes acquires a bitter taste further we often find springs that are bitter and others that are pungent while others still have different flavours the greatest variety of flavours is found as one might suppose amongst plants it is the nature of moisture as of other things to be affected by its opposite and its opposite is the dry consequently it is affected by fire which is by nature dry now heat is the peculiar property of fire and the dry is the peculiar property of the earth as was said in the treatise on the elements neither fire nor earth nor any other element as such acts or is acted upon it is only in so far as each thing contains in itself the principle of opposition that it either acts or is acted upon as therefore those who dissolve a colour or a flavour in water cause the water to absorb it so nature acts upon the dry and earthy elements and by filtering water through these elements and stimulating them into activity by heat it causes the moist element to acquire a certain quality this condition which is wrought in moisture by means of the above-mentioned dry element is flavour and it consists in the conversion of a potential taste into an actual one 
for the sense-organ which is already in a condition of potentiality passes over into a condition of actuality the process of sensation does not resemble learning so much as it resembles contemplation that flavours do not attach to everything dry but only to the dry that is nutritive either as a positive or negative condition one may conclude from the fact that the dry is not found apart from the moist nor the moist apart from the dry neither one when taken alone is foodstuff for living creatures but only when combined in animal food it is the tactual elements which affect growth and decay and it is by virtue of the warmth or cold in the assimilated food that these phenomena are produced for these are the properties that cause growth and decay the administered food nourishes in so far as it is gustable for everything is nourished by means of the sweet whether pure or mixed this subject must be more definitely treated in the work on generation for the present we only touch upon it so far as necessary heat disposes to growth and brings food into a prepared condition it absorbs what is light and rejects the salt and bitter because of their heaviness what external heat effects in external bodies is also produced by internal heat in animals and plants nourishment then is caused by the sweet the other flavours are mingled in food in the same way as the bitter and pungent i e to serve as a relish this is for the purpose of counterbalance and because the sweet is overnutritive and swims on the stomach as colours are a combination of white and black so flavours are derived from sweet and bitter they depend severally on a proportion of more or less on a proportion of mixture and motion either numerically expressible or indeterminate those mixtures however which produce pleasure are numerically expressible the oily flavour is to be classed with the sweet the salt and bitter are closely allied while the sour pungent astringent and acid are intermediary and so the varieties of flavours and colours are pretty nearly the same in number for there are six of each if one regards as is reasonable the grey as a sort of black we have then to include yellow in white just as we referred the oily flavour to the sweet while crimson sea-purple green and blue are intermediary between white and black and all other shades are combinations of these as black is privation of the white in a diaphanous medium so the salt and bitter are privation of the sweet in a nutritive moist substance consequently the ashes of anything that has been burnt are bitter for the potable element has been consumed democritus and most of the physiologers who treat the subject of sensation make the most remarkable blunder for they resolve all sensible objects into the tangible if indeed this is correct each of the senses becomes evidently a sense of touch it is not difficult to see that this is impossible further they treat the common functions of all the senses as special functions for the perception of magnitude figure roughness smoothness and sharpness and bluntness in solid bodies is the common function of all the senses and if not of all then at least the common function of sight and touch it is in these perceptions therefore that the senses are subject to error 
but they are not subject to error in their special sensations e g sight is not fallible regarding colour nor hearing regarding sound again these physiologers refer the special functions to the general as democritus does with white and black the latter of which he identifies with the rough and the former with the smooth and he reduces flavour to atomic forms and yet it is either not the function of any sense to discern common properties or else this power belongs to the eye more than to any other organ if however this power falls rather to the lot of taste it is at any rate the function of the most delicate sense to discriminate the slightest distinctions each after its kind so that taste would have to discriminate common properties better than any other sense and be the most discerning judge of atomic figures further all sensible objects contain the principle of opposition e g in colour black is the opposite of white and in flavour bitter is the opposite of sweet but one figure does not appear to be the opposite of another figure for to what sort of polygon would a circle be opposed further the atomic figures being infinite in number it necessarily follows that flavours are also infinite in number for what is the explanation of the fact that one flavour produces a sensation and another flavour does not produce it we have now treated the subject of the gustable and flavour the other aspects of flavour receive their proper consideration in the treatise on the physiology of plants End of chapter four recording in memory of mitchell edwards